would, and open it to Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. And then John's gospel, chapter 12, we're going to move back and forth a little bit between those two places. And, and what we're going to do, as I said a moment ago this morning, is kind of wrap up this seven weeks uh, of learning about the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the gospel, what we often call the gospel, is in fact the gospel of the kingdom of God. That Jesus came to preach a gospel that centered on the reality of the experience of the kingdom of God, both now and in eternity. And, and what we've reminded ourselves of every week in this series is that we mustn't think that Jesus came mainly to make sure as many people as possible get their tickets stamped for heaven. No, no, no. Jesus came to get heaven into us and to involve us in his work in the world now as well as into eternity. The Bible says Jesus preached the, the gospel of the kingdom. We've been learning what that's all about this morning. We're going to continue to do that. And let me begin by asking you this. Raise your hand if you've always dreamed of being a loser. Go ahead, put your hand up. Yeah, raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Weston has. He's kidding. He knew that was coming and he's messing with me. But none of us grow up with that ambition, with that aspiration. No one dreams of becoming a loser. Instead, we all want to be winners. Partly, that's because we're so insecure on a spiritual level, and that has to do with stuff we don't have time to get into this morning, but the first consequence of sin is a sense of detachment from God, and we see that in the Bible. And so part of our fear of losing has to do with that insecurity. Partly, though, it's because we don't understand the power of losing. Here, here's how we think of losing. We think of it as toxic to the ego. And in a sense it is because very often the ego is the worst part of who we are. We think of losing as poisonous to the image of ourselves that we're always trying to build up. And we feel that losing is anathema to what's called the sinful nature or the flesh. But most of us are afraid of losing because we have so little understanding of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in fact, in his gospel of the kingdom, calls you and me to what I like to call strategic losing. Do you know what that is? I've been a loser, I confess to you, more times than I can count. I wish I could say that my losing was always strategic, but I tell you it was not. Most of my losing was just losing. I, I, I once, this actually happened, I'll never forget it, I, I, I was going in for the winning layup in a championship basketball game and the crowd was excited and I had stole the ball, I was about to win the game and win the championship, instead I dribbled off my foot out of bounds, game over, we lose. I've been there for that. When I graduated from high school, my GPA was 1.7. I was 297 out of 310 in my class. Not exactly winning. When I competed in the district championship in the 100-meter hurdles, I came in a glorious eighth out of eight, way back in last place at the end of that. When I played soccer in college, we didn't win a game for three full years. I could go on and on. I know all about losing. So does my wife. She married me, <laughs> right? But sometimes, friends, sometimes losing is really 
winning. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. lost his life on a hotel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. But he changed the world more than you and me will ever dream of. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my personal heroes, lost his life in a Nazi prison, condemned as a traitor and a criminal for insisting that a very popular political leader at the time was actually a fraud. But he has inspired thousands to follow him into pastoral ministry. The passengers of United Flight 93, you may remember on 911, lost their lives in a fiery crash in a Pennsylvania cornfield. But in so doing, they prevented terrorists from murdering thousands more by crashing that airplane into the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., which was their plan. And in their example, they made sure that nobody will ever successfully hijack an American commercial airliner again because now we all understand how to stop it. I could go on and on. You get the idea. Sometimes... Losing is winning. And there is such a thing as a strategic loss, that is a temporary defeat that brings a greater victory. And friends, understand, the kingdom of God happens when you and me learn how to lose wisely. And when we learn how to lose well. Let me remind you what we've talked about these last six weeks real quick. In week one, we learned that the kingdom of God is less like a backstage pass to the party after the show and more like an invitation to join the band on stage to get involved with God in what he's doing in our world. The second week, we learned that entering the kingdom of God is, is not so much about crossing a boundary as it is about changing direction. And we heard Jesus teach us that there's lots of people outside the boundaries but heading in the right direction. And there's lots of people inside the boundaries, but heading in the wrong direction. The kingdom is a direction, not a set of boundaries. We learned in the third week that the kingdom of God is not a free pass when you're going the wrong way. It's not a get out of jail free card so we can get away with whatever we want. It's an invitation to turn around and experience the freedom and security of going the right way. The kingdom of God is an invitation to make a U-turn. And, and we learned in the fourth week that the kingdom of God is not a call to just go with the flow of our culture, that it's a call to be willing to be unpopular, even hated, because we love enough to tell the truth even when the truth isn't popular. Jesus said, blessed are you when men hate you and exclude you and call you evil because of me. Then in the fifth week, we learned that the kingdom of God is what happens when we choose what we see in each other. And we learned that we have the ability to do that and that that ability is very real and very powerful. And then last week, we learned that the kingdom of God is what happens when you humble yourself enough to grow a childlike heart, to have the attitude of a child. Jesus said you can't receive the kingdom unless you receive it like a little child. This week, we're going to finish by learning that the kingdom of God is what happens when you learn how to lose wisely and well. I invite you to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. We're going to read verses 44 through 46. Jesus is talking. Jesus is teaching. This is one of my favorite passages in the Scripture. Listen to what he says to us about the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 44. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, 
he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, let's take just a few minutes to kind of understand what the Lord is saying here. First of all, notice, friends, that the phrase kingdom of heaven is interchangeable with kingdom of God. Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven because he is a Jew writing to Jews, and he understands the historical tradition of reverence in, inside of Israel that you don't say the name of God out loud, so he calls it the kingdom of heaven out of respect and reverence. It's the same thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Notice also that these two stories Jesus told here are stories about losing. They're about a couple of guys who end up broke in order to acquire something priceless. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Greg, this is what it's like in your experience. It's like losing something in order to gain something more valuable, something indeed priceless. If I can illustrate, Ron and I were, were married 10 years before we had kids, so we kind of had this long kind of playtime in our marriage before kids came along. And during that time we played, you know, one of the things we were really into was motorcycles and taking motorcycle trips. We had gold wings with trailers and all the stuff. And I actually lived on my motorcycle three straight years. Absolutely loved it, love it to this day, even though I don't have one anymore. Here's how that changed. When Isaiah was born and came into our life, I thought to myself, you know what? If I continue to ride my motorcycle year round, I'm going to lose out on a million opportunities to go places with my son. When he's a baby, he can't get on there. When he's a toddler, he can't get on there. When he gets a little older, his mom's not going to let him get on there. So I'm going to miss out on all of this stuff, right? And I remember saying to myself very plainly, okay, Greg, you've got to make a choice here. If you lose your motorcycle, you're going to get a lot of time with your son. If you don't, you won't. And I remember very consciously thinking, you know what, I want that time. I'm going to lose my motorcycle and just get a normal car like every other boring person on the planet. But guess what came out of that? In my heart are a thousand memories of going places with my toddler baby son and us talking like that and carrying on and sharing moments and me teaching him Pink Floyd songs. These beautiful times that we had in the car. I lost something. I gained something infinitely more precious. And Jesus is saying to you and me, this is how the kingdom happens. You lose something in order to gain something much more valuable. You see, what Jesus is doing in this moment is inviting you and me to be willing to lose things in order to gain better things. To trade lust for love. To trade greed for the freedom of simplicity. To trade personal ambition for the significance of serving. To trade away your rights in order to serve your wife. To trade away your independence in order to let your husband lead. You get the idea. I could go on and on. What the Lord is saying here in this moment is that you can't keep everything you have now and still experience the kingdom because the kingdom of God is about losing some things in order to gain better things. We see this illustrated in the story of the rich young ruler. 
Marvelous story in Mark's gospel. And, and the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and this guy's got a lot. And we misunderstand the story if we think that what he has is mainly material. That's part of it. But also the rich young ruler is a very religious guy. Jesus says, uh, do you keep the commandments? He says, I've kept them all since I was a boy. And yet he says, there's something I'm still missing. There's something I still don't have. Jesus, can you help me find it? And Jesus says, yeah, I can. But you're going to have to lose some things. In fact, you're going to have to lose everything if you want what's most precious. He's really echoing this story. And the rich young ruler says, man, I, I, I don't think I can do that. And the Bible says he went away sad. And Jesus commenting on him in a grieving way says in verse 25 of Mark chapter 10, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why does Jesus say that? Because the guy has lost his ability to lose things. Have you? How much of the acreage of your soul has become so bound to the stuff you have or to the traditions you've attached yourself to that you're unable to let go in order to experience greater things? This man had lost the ability to lose. Have you? Have we? The reason it's important is because Jesus says in losing that we receive the kingdom of God. It is worth more than what you lose to get it. And, and, and the Bible says that you'll be the first one to say so. Interestingly, in the story, Jesus says that the, the man who went and sold everything he had to buy that treasure hidden in a field, he didn't do it out of duty. He didn't do it grudgingly. He didn't do it hesitatingly. The scripture says in his joy, he went and sold all he had because he understood that what he's receiving was greater still. In other words, again, the kingdom of God involves losing. Entering the kingdom means surrendering your own kingdom. At the end of World War II, both Germany and Japan made repeated efforts to negotiate a peace, to negotiate a surrender. They did that as soon as a year before the war actually ended. But each time they approached, the Allies steadfastly refused, insisting that their surrender would be unconditional. Because of this, the war dragged on for more than a year, much longer than it might have. So why, we might ask, did the Allies insist on an unconditional surrender? Here's why. They knew that the rot in Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan was so deep that it had to be torn out by the roots and replaced. They knew that if the surrender wasn't unconditional, we'd still be living those things to this day. And so they said, your surrender must be unconditional. And then when the unconditional surrender was offered, they did something really remarkable in history. And America was at the forefront of it, one of our brightest moments. They said, now we need to help our enemies rebuild. And America got involved in something called the Marshall Plan to rebuild Europe and Japan, and they did. God says the same thing to us. When you surrender to me unconditionally, then I have the freedom to rebuild you. And I will. But you have to lose in order to win. When Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time, what we call the triumphal entry, this is over in John 12, where I invited you that we would be for a moment as well. When Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time, he was greeted by huge crowds who celebrated because they thought that he had come to change the government, to throw out the Romans, and to make Israel great. 
But that wasn't what was on his heart. In fact, he revealed what was on his heart in John chapter 12, beginning with verse 23. Here's his words in that moment. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What's Jesus saying? I've come here to lose. I've come here to be unjustly murdered on a cross. A week from now, you people will be screaming for my crucifixion. But it's okay because I've come to lose. I know that strategically losing is the only way for you to win. You you can just feel the disciples hearing Jesus say this in the midst of these adoring crowds. You can just feel the disciples going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. This is the triumphal entry. Why are we talking about dying? Why are we talking about losing? Why aren't we talking about winning? But Jesus knew that losing is sometimes winning. He understood that implicitly, and so he had come to lose. Church, understand, his idea of winning and losing was very different from theirs. He didn't want to defeat his enemies. He wanted to turn them into his friends. He came to seek and to save the lost. And winning looks very different. And losing looks very different when you think like this. I love to tell a story about a friend of mine who shared with me about his family's struggle with his teenage son's drug abuse. Somewhere around 15 and 16, it got very intense. And it led to a series of confrontations. And my friend confronted his son and said, you cannot continue to bring these drugs into our home. I've told you that a thousand times. You can't do it. His son said, well, I'm going to do it. Dad said, well, if you do it, you can't live here. Imagine how hard that is to say for a dad. He said, son, you're going to have to make a choice between your mom and me and your drugs. And his son said, I choose my drugs. Imagine what that felt like. And dad said, well, okay, you're out of the house. And so his son said, okay. And he went outside and he got into his car and he drove down the street and parked. It was late at night and he was just going to sleep in his car. Dad was in anguish. And so what did he do? He prayed and he felt God leading him and he got up and he got dressed and he went down the street to where his son was parked and he sat down on the curb across the street and after a few minutes, his son noticed him there. Again, it was late. His son rolled down the window and said, dad, what are you doing? And he said, well, you can't be in my house with your drugs. And since you're out here and you're choosing to be out here, I'm going to sit here tonight and make sure you're safe. You can go to sleep. And in that moment, his son's spirit broke. He wept. They were reconciled. And his son chose mom and dad instead of drugs. You could say, dad, you're losing. You're giving in. You're you're throwing away your sleep. But dad knew that losing was winning. And Jesus invites us to recognize the same thing, that when we lose sometimes, it's the only way to win. That is how the kingdom of God advances. Now, strategic losing like this is not a message that our culture teaches. I read an article recently by columnist David Brooks at this graduation season, and here's what he said. He said, commencement speakers at graduation ceremonies are always telling young people to follow their passions, be true to yourself, to worship your dream. But he says, they're wrong. This is a vision that begins and ends with self, and it is doomed to fail to satisfy the soul. 
People on the road to heaven don't find their calling by asking, what do I want from life? They find it by asking, what does life want from me? How can I match my gifts to the world's great needs? Or to put it another way, how can I lose wisely so someone else wins? Mr. Brooks grasps the essence of the kingdom of God in that moment. Jesus puts it this way, Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Losing is the key to winning. Losing is how you enter the kingdom. Listen, my friends, let me, let me get down to brass tacks with you. Do you want to bless your marriage? Then learn how to lose strategically. Learn how to give in. Do you want to convince your kids of the gospel? Then be willing to carry the cross of self-sacrifice, showing them your willingness to lose for them. Do you want to be a witness to the lost people you live with or work with or go to school with? Then learn how to serve, even when they're unworthy. To be the one who washes the feet of people who don't deserve it. The one who's willing to turn the other cheek when wrong. The one who blesses their enemies who forgives 70 times, seven times, praying the whole time, Father, forgive them. We don't, uh, they don't know what they're doing. This is how the kingdom happens when we lose. What moment is more majestic in Jesus' work on the cross than the moment when he prays for forgiveness for those who are crucifying him? He understood that losing leads to winning. Now, now, in the few minutes that we have left, friends, understand, we find the courage to lose when we fix our eyes on the reward. Let me say that again. We find the courage to lose well when we fix our eyes on the reward. We've talked a lot of times these past few weeks about how the kingdom of God begins here and now. But friends, it doesn't end in this life. It goes on forever. It goes on for eternity. And you and I and every human being on the planet are hurtling towards eternity. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. You can't detour around it. It is coming. And Jesus says that the reward that is in eternity begins now but extends forever. We are talking about the deal of the century. To lose now in order to win then. These guys in Jesus' little parable about the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price, they found the power to lose when they focused on what they would gain by losing. God invites you and me to do the same. He invites us to understand that that's how it happens, that the kingdom of God begins now but grows into eternity. Jesus said in verse 26 of John chapter 12, my father will honor the one who serves me. He's talking about that reward. And, and let me just ask you, as your fellow human being, a, a direct question, is that the reward you're focused on? On Father's Day today, is the thing that's important is that someday your dad will say, and I'm talking about your heavenly dad. Well done, Greg. Or is it somewhere else? Or is it something else? We find the courage to lose when we focus on the reward. And the apostle Paul understood this. And so when God said to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. The background is I'm not going to heal you of this particular physical struggle in your life because 
My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, understanding, responded by saying, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, the things that cause me to lose, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. I'm not afraid of losing because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. To put this another way, church, something happens when we lose that can't happen any other way. And Jesus wants you and me to understand that because what happens when we lose, what can happen, what can only happen when we lose is the greatest reward of all. I remember uh, years ago, we went on vacation. We were down in California, uh, Ron and Isaiah and I, and, and we did the beaches. We were having a great time and going here and there and seeing stuff. And, and in the middle of this glorious escape to the sunshine in Southern California, I, I turned to Rhonda one day and I said, hey, baby, what I want to do today is I want to go down to the San Diego Harbor and there's this 50-year-old mothballed retired aircraft carrier, the USS Midway. I want to explore it and climb around in it. And you could just see the enthusiasm on her face for that particular experience. And on my teenage son's face, pretty much the same look. But you know what they said? Okay, Dad. And so they got in the car and we drove down and we climbed around this old rust bucket for like five hours. In and out of every nook and cranny, me telling them stupid stuff nobody cares about. And not one complaint. And like five hours later, we got out of this thing and we got in the car and, and I had noticed their willingness to be there. And I turned and I said, hey, thank you guys. And Rhonda said something to me I'll never forget. She said, it's okay, honey. I, I knew how much this meant to you. I don't know that there was a moment in our marriage that I felt more loved than that moment. Maybe that means I'm really shallow, but... <laughs> wow, she gets me. Now, she'd been losing all day. <laughs> but she was really winning. And Jesus wants you and I to understand that this is how the kingdom happens in our lives. Strategic losing isn't easy. It's not for weak people. It takes guts and spiritual muscle to carry a cross, to deny yourself. When Jesus talks about strategic losing, he feels the pain, the struggle of it. He says in verse 27 of John chapter 12, again in that same context of entering Jerusalem in order to die, he says, now my soul is troubled. This is hard. But he says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I know I'm here to lose. But more than anything else, I want the reward of you saying, well done. So do it, Lord. Walk me through this losing. Let me ask you this morning as we get close to closing, where is God calling you to lose strategically? Where is God calling you to lose well? Is it in your marriage? Are you at loggerheads because neither one of you will give in? Jesus said, whoever loses his life for me will find it. Is it in your relationship to your kids or your parents? You say, I'm not going to give in. Jesus says, you can't enter the kingdom until you learn to. Because what you gain is infinitely greater than what you lose. Is it at work? Hey, they're asking you to do a job that's beneath you. Hey, newsflash, no jobs are beneath Jesus. He makes himself the slave of all. He's the one who chooses the lowest job in the room. 
when he washes feet. I go on and on. Where is God calling you to lose strategically? It's an important question because it's in the losing that the kingdom happens. Now, most losing happens in little ways. We're almost done. This is Father's Day, and, and, and my dad, the man that I will call this afternoon and, and honor and love and respect, many of you would call him my stepdad. Most of the world does. He came into my life when I was six years old. My biological father left my life when I was two years old. And so often when I hear people talk about situations like that, which are not uncommon, they speak of the biological father as, and here's the words people use, the real dad. Church, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> Anybody can take a tumble in the hay with a high school senior and produce a baby, which is what Butch did. Doesn't take much at all. But my dad came into my life, and he went to work every day, and he came home every day. And he put clothes on my back and food in my mouth and a roof over my head. And he made popcorn on Saturday nights. He came into my life and did all the losing that Butch was never willing to do. And so to this day, my biological father is Butch. My dad is Leroy, who I'll call this afternoon. Why? Because he knew how to lose. He understood the power of losing in the same way that Jesus is inviting us to understand. The kingdom of God happens as we learn to lose well. One last story and we're done. On August 16th, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed onto a freeway just after taking off from the Detroit airport, resulting in the deaths of 155 people. I thought to myself this morning, wow, that's two stories about plane crashes in one sermon this morning. Hope you're not traveling anytime soon. You know, just kind of put that out of your mind. But one of the few survivors from this particular plane crash was a four-year-old girl from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. Now, when investigators found rescuers, found Cecilia uh, in the wreckage, they assumed she must have been in one of the cars on the freeway. But as the investigation developed, they found her name on the passenger list and realized she'd been on the plane. Careful research went on to reveal what had happened. As the plane was falling, her mother, Paula, unbuckled her seatbelt and wrapped her arms and body around her daughter and wouldn't let go. As a result, when the plane impacted the earth, her mom's body absorbed all the trauma of the crash and the heat of the fire, and Cecilia lived without injury. Now that's a strategic loss. Mom lost, but she really won. And what parent wouldn't want to lose that way in order to win that way? Jesus invites you and me as his followers to be willing to lose like that so that we can win like that. That is the gospel of the kingdom. So let me ask you, invite you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And, and one more time, I'll ask you, where is God calling you to lose? Where is God calling you to lose so that the kingdom can win in your heart, in your mind, in this world, and in eternity? Scripture tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross he didn't go out of duty. He didn't go out of discipline. 
He went out of love. He went out of joy. And he invites you and me to follow him in this way. Where's God calling you to lose strategically? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your family? Is it in your work? Is it in your church? Is it in your neighborhood? Where is God calling you to lose well? The kingdom happens when you do. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus as your Savior because you've never offered an unconditional surrender to God. The gospel insists that you offer that surrender, but then God says, I'll rebuild you. I'll renew you from the inside out. And in this moment, you can say to God, I surrender. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And in this moment, the kingdom begins in you. God will enter your life and begin to rebuild it, and you will be the first one to celebrate. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, as we go out into this world full of people willing to sacrifice anything to win and then upset when winning didn't turn out to be what they thought it would, help us to be the people that invite the whole world to lose well and experience the joy of the kingdom. We pray for that, Jesus. We ask it in your great name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning, friends? Mm -hmm.